High Praise Podcast. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Joshua, lead pastor here at High Praise, and I want to thank you for downloading today's podcast. We know that this message is going to encourage and bless you. So I want you to open up your heart and receive what the Lord has for you today. Turn in your Bibles this morning to Genesis chapter 3. We're going to start with verse 1. I have a little lengthy passage of scripture to read, so please bear with me while I read that. But I want to share some things this morning. We may have to extend it even into next week on living your life as the victor. How many know that God has called you to live your life as a victor? You know what? We got too many people that are living their lives as victims, and there's so much victim language that we hear all the time. But how many of you know that God doesn't want you to live your life identifying as a victim? He wants you to live your life identifying with who you are in Christ Jesus. And hear this. The moment you begin to identify with who you are in Christ, it changes everything. Everything in your life changes the moment that you identify with who you are in Christ. Because understand this, you cannot identify with who you are in Christ and still live your life as a victim or even think of yourself as a victim. Now, whenever I say that, I want everybody to understand I am not minimizing anything that's happened to anybody. The reality is probably all of us in some way, some fashion, some form throughout our lives have had people mistreat us. Is there anybody here that's ever had somebody mistreat you? Has anybody ever said anything nasty about you? Is there anybody here that's ever been stolen from? Have you ever had somebody lie about you? See, probably everybody to some degree, some people to greater degrees than the others. But the reality is, you know, I've said it before, this is just a part of living in a fallen world. The reality is because we live in a fallen world, there are things that happen that we don't like. There are unpleasantries that we all experience. But understand this, you have a choice with every unpleasantry that's ever happened to you or may ever happen to you in the future. You can identify with how you feel or you can identify with who you are in Christ. And understand this, who you are in Christ will trump who you feel like you are. It will trump the things that you have went through and cause you to rise up in power and victory in the midst of every situation. In every circumstance, God will cause you to triumph. The Bible says this, now thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph. Look at somebody and say, always causes us to triumph. You see, the Lord doesn't just cause you to triumph every now and then, you know, every other day or every other week or every other month, you know, where you're going to win some and lose some. No, praise God. Thanks be to God who always causes me to triumph in Christ. Amen. Do you believe that today? You see, whenever we begin to really grab hold of this, embrace it and believe it and begin to live like that, you no longer live your life as a victim. You know, you don't have to watch much television today. Turn it on, watch some news report, and you're going to hear somebody talking about how they've been victimized, how they've been hurt. And again, I'm not trying to minimize anything they've went through. I'm sure there's pain. I'm sure there was hurt. But you know what? We as a culture, we have begun to, uh, to identify so much with that and identify, you know, we've got to make sure we just, you know, everything we say has got to be, you know, uh, like almost sugar-coated because we don't want to offend anybody. They might get hurt. You know what? And my, I understand we don't want to be abrasive and offensive purposefully, but at the same time, folks, how many of you know we don't need to get offended over everything that anybody says, uh, and we need to live not with a chip on our shoulders. Uh, we need to live with a crown on our head. If anybody is hearing what I'm saying, I'm not living with a chip on my shoulder. I'm living with a crown on my head. 
said, I'm more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. I am a, listen, I'm a, I've been made a, 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 a priest unto God and a king. You see, this, this is the reason the Bible says that Jesus is king of kings. It's because there was kingship that was actually awarded you the moment that you got saved. Look at somebody say, I'm a king. Look at somebody say, I'm a priest. You see, when you begin to identify like that, it begins to all of a sudden change everything about your life. You know what? And we have too many people today that are walking around talking about their feelings, and I feel this and I feel that. And again, I'm not discounting. I want to make sure everybody understands that we're not discounting the way that somebody may feel at a given moment. But understand this. As a member of the body of Christ, there is something that works on the inside of you that is greater than what somebody may have done to make you feel in a certain manner or a certain way. You have been redeemed. You've been bought with precious blood. And now you're more than a conqueror through him who loved you. And you can rise up in the face of every adversity of everything that somebody might say and say you know what I don't care what you say it doesn't change what the Bible says it doesn't change what God says about my situation every edict of hell can be declared and spoken over my life but the reality is it does not change what God has said about me look at somebody and say nobody can change what God said about me in Genesis chapter 3, are you there? Let's read this verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, God in, As God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. But the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of a day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you, Adam? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree? You know what? There's, a, there, there, there's such a powerful revelation. There's so many different directions that we can go in this passage of Scripture. But you know what? There's a lot of people today that keep listening to the wrong voices, uh, and it leads them down the road of deception. As a matter of fact, my entire book on the voices of deception, it starts right here, and I could go so many different directions with this, and I'm not going to do it this morning. But, he, but, but notice, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? And the man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the tree, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the devil made me do it. Anybody remember the Flip Wilson show? I don't know if anybody can recall that. Does anybody remember the character named Geraldine on the Flip Wilson show? You know, and the Geraldine, you know, something would happen. She said, the devil made me do it. And the reality was she was always, you know, blaming somebody else, blaming something else for doing what she was doing. Can I tell you, that's been really a picture of a lot of people today in our society, in our culture. And may I even say that even within the church, 
What happens many times is we want to blame shift and we never really want to look in the mirror and accept responsibility for what has actually taken place. And we see blame shifting starting actually in the Garden of Eden. Now you men, uh, by the way, blame shifting started with the man. Did you notice that? The man was to give an account to God, what's going on here, Adam? You know, you were the first one made, you're the head of the house, what is going on here? Why have you let this happen? And the first thing that Adam does is he begins to blame his wife, Eve. It is, as a matter of fact, listen, Adam blamed the only two intelligent people that he even knew. He blamed Eve and he blamed God all in one breath. Because he said, Lord, it's the woman that you gave me. I want you to know that I was fine until this woman came along. I was doing, I mean, me and the animals, we were having dialogue, I was petting them, uh, you know, things were going well, and there was no problem whatsoever. I was walking around free and easy, and now all of a sudden, the ball and chain has arrived. There was no sin, there was nothing going on bad whatsoever, but now, the woman that you gave me, this is, it has nothing to do with anything that I have done. It's all about the woman, and it's all about you. God, this was a bad idea, and I'm just passing the buck right now, and I'm giving it right back to you. And by the way, I want to say this. This is not something that has changed. Honey, where would you like to go eat today? Well, I would like to go to Outback. Okay. Okay, I'm not sure about that. You know, they might be crowded, might be busy. But I want to go, but you want to go to Outback. Okay, we'll go to Outback. We'll go to Outback, get there. The line is 45 minutes long. We wait and we get there, got bad service. And then this is no reflection on Outback. I'm just telling you, you know, this happens sometimes. You got slow service and then the food wasn't quite cooked. And then what happens? You know, we go out and honey, I didn't want to go to Outback anyway. You know, I wanted to go somewhere else. And what do we want to do? We want to blame, you know, honey, I never really wanted to actually, uh, 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 I, I, I didn't really want to have the living room furniture exactly like that. I told you when we bought this stuff that it was not going to last any length of time and the cushions were going to get real squishy. And whenever you sat in it, it was going to feel like a beanbag and you couldn't, you wouldn't sit in it. You just slouch in it, in the stuff. You know, I told you that. So we always, listen, where I'm getting to with all this is this is nothing that has changed. Because the reality is we don't want to accept responsibility. We as human beings, we don't want to accept responsibility. We always want to take the position that I've been victimized by somebody else's opinion. We want to take the position that we've been victimized in some way by what somebody else got us to do. You know what? And I'll go ahead and raise my hand and tell you that I have done that before. As a matter of fact, I've done it on more than one occasion. Is there any other man that will say, you admit to, you've done that with your wife before, you looked at, you know, you wanted to blame them. Now, I want everybody to understand this. That is a product of the fall, and that is not a product of your redeemed nature that you now have in God. That is a product of the flesh, and it has absolutely nothing to do with who you are in Christ Jesus. 
And I'm here to tell you today that I believe that God wants to shake some people out of that mentality today where you live your life as a victim and you begin to live your life as a victor. Because understand, things aren't necessarily going to change as far as what you may experience. But I will tell you, your outcome will change tremendously whenever you begin to live as a victor versus a victim. Amen? We see in this passage of Scripture where victimization was introduced. When sin was introduced into humanity, one of the first byproducts was victimization. I feel like a victim. As a matter of fact, you can read in Deuteronomy chapter 28, and you'll find out that victimization was actually a part of the curse of the law. Now, let me define this for you, exactly what victimization is. Please write it down. Or if you got to, you know, you can remember it, that's fine. The pro victimization is the process of being taken advantage of or defrauded from a rightful possession. The process of being taken advantage of or defrauded from a rightful possession. You know what? Whenever something doesn't happen the way that we think it ought to happen, then the next thing that happens is we're wanting to shout foul. We're wanting to, we're wanting to point the finger at somebody else. We're wanting to blame somebody else. Adam felt as though he had been victimized by both the woman and the Lord. And, uh, you know, as, as if he had been set up for failure. This was the beginning of the victim mentality. And you see, once Adam articulated it, then Eve just took it the next step. And she articulated the same mentality, the same understanding that sin had brought. Is I'm a victim. It's not my fault. And what did she do? She pointed her finger at the serpent. She blamed the serpent. The serpent, you know, he tempted me, he deceived me, and he gave it to me. My friend, I believe that God wants to break that cycle within your life. If you've been living in that manner, I'm declaring to you today that you can walk free of that. You can get out of that cycle of life and begin to live as more than a conqueror rather than a victim every day of my life. Amen? Listen, if God be for me, who can be against me? Who will I fear with God on my side? Amen? You see, Eve failed again. She'd been victimized by the servant. The devil made me do it. If Adam would have owned up to it, this is what I believe. If Adam would have taken responsibility that moment, and I believe if he would have asked for forgiveness, if he would have said, rather than the woman that you gave me, Lord, she's the, she's the reason for this mess. If he would have said, Lord, I messed up. I did wrong. And I'm asking, based upon your mercy to forgive me, I personally believe that God would have forgiven him. That's my personal opinion, okay? I believe that God would have forgiven him. But the problem was this. Adam did not accept responsibility. Understand this. Please hear this. To sin is wrong, and to sin is, an, is error. But whenever you fail to take responsibility for your sin and what you did, that's bigger error than the sin itself. You hear what I'm saying? You know what? I could always, with my kids, if they were confronted about something and if they would come clean, there was forgiveness and there was grace. But if I confronted them and they wanted to lie and deny and justify, are y'all hearing what I'm saying? And all of you that have kids, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm going to lie, I'm going to deny, and I'm going to justify it and give reasons and excuses. And they didn't really have anything to do with it. Then whenever the truth came out, I'm telling you, yeah, I would come down on them like a ton of bricks. And I got, there's one right here he can tell you, you know, uh, Pastor Joshua, raised in my house. One thing, don't lie to me. Don't deny something. Don't justify a wrong action. By the way, whenever people walk, uh, one of the primary voices of deception is the voice of justification. The voice that will give you an unrighteous justification for doing something when it's actually wrong. 
That's a voice of deception. That's exactly what happened in this particular situation. Eve was given reasons. Hey, you're going to be more like God. You're going to have the wisdom of God. This tree will make you wise, Eve. Hey, why would, why would God withhold this from me? God wants me to be wise. He wants me to be filled with his wisdom, so therefore I'm going to partake of it. She justified it within her own mind and blamed, then blamed the serpent at the end of the day. My friend, if we'll own up, if we'll accept responsibility and live our lives from that point of uh, view, what will happen is we will begin to overcome everything that the enemy would try to throw our way. Are y'all getting anything out of this this morning? See, Adam's declaration gave power to sin, which resulted in him being banished from the garden. There's a lot of people that are actually forfeiting destiny, and they're forfeiting the purpose of God in their life, all because they just won't own up. They won't accept responsibility, and they're always blaming somebody else. Can I tell you, you know, if God's called you to write a book, the only reason that it will not be written is because of you. You can't blame somebody else. You can't blame anything else. You are the person that has to accept responsibility. If God's called you to be a part of the worship team, you know what? You have to accept responsibility and you have to begin to do something. You follow what I'm saying? You know, the reason that Whit, I refer to him quite frequently, but the reason that Whit's playing up here on the keyboard is because he applied himself. The reality is he's anointed, he's appointed, and the reality is, you know, God could have called him, God could have anointed him, but until he took responsibility and applied himself in that area, he couldn't live the rest of his life going, well, Lord, I know you were, call I, I know you called me to this, but you know what, I was too busy with this, I was too busy on my phone, I, I was too busy playing video games, I was too busy with that, I was too busy with this. My friend, we have to accept responsibility. Can everybody say amen? Now, in Isaiah, are y'all still with me? Isaiah 58 verse 9 says this. It says, Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say what? Here I am. If you take away the yoke. Mm, this is so good. You will call, and the Lord will answer, and you will cry, and he will say, Here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, but, and what's the first thing that he says that identifies with the yoke? The pointing of the finger and the speaking of wickedness. Can I tell you that Eve's problem and Adam's problem in the garden was this right here. What, rather than calling unto the Lord and having God answer them in a favorable way, because they pointed the finger and because they spoke things incorrectly, what ended up happening is that they forfeited the Garden of Eden. They forfeited the destiny that God had for them. They forfeited the plan that God had designed for them. And there are many believers today. And by the way, it's wonderful that people are believers. It's wonderful that you're saved. But understand this, you didn't get saved just so you can go to heaven. Heaven's wonderful and thank God for it. And yes, hallelujah to every bit of that. But there's something that God has for you to do right now while you're walking the face of this earth. There is a divine destiny. There's a divine purpose for your life. And hear this, it is not going to be fulfilled as long as you're pointing the finger at somebody else. We can't blame anybody else for it not being done. I couldn't blame somebody else if this, we never started this church, you know, over 25 years ago. God called us and we said, yes, Lord. You know what? And there are a lot of different reasons that I could have given. There was a lot of different excuses that I could have given to say, Lord, uh, we're not going to do that. You know, I just don't feel like, you know, that would be a good thing. You know, the, the primary excuse is I didn't really care to be around people. You know, it's kind of hard to pastor people when you don't want to be around them. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of different things and excuses that I could have given to the Lord as to why we shouldn't do that. But you know what? We said yes. Hallelujah. And by the way, I'm glad that I said yes. 
I, you know, there's been heartache. There's been things that have happened. There's been people that have done things. But the reality is, I, if I had to do it all over again, I would still do it again. Praise God. I might do a few things a little differently, but the reality is I would still do it again. Amen? But understand this, as long as you're pointing the finger, as long as you're blaming somebody else, you know what, and we're in that, uh, I would just say, there's a lot of people that blame uh, different people for whatever they're going through. You know, this is going on right now. That's their, their, their fault. And you know, God delivered the church from being the people that are always pointing the finger at somebody else. Why don't we instead rise up in power? Why don't we instead rise up in faith and say, you know what? We're going to believe God out of this situation. We're going to pray if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will get this. I will heal their land. Is that what God said? I'll heal their land. Look at somebody say, God will heal our land. Can I tell you, God will heal our land. God's not going to heal our land because we're pointing the finger at one another. God's going to heal our land because we humble ourselves and we begin to seek the face of the Lord. We take responsibility. We begin to, first of all, go look in the mirror and say, Lord, what do I need to do to change the situation? Are y'all following what I'm saying? Amen? Again, we live in this finger-pointing world full of accusation i mean they fly every day you know what they come from all different directions there are so many voices that are out there it's just absolutely amazing and by the way what my bible tells me is that the accuser of the brethren is the devil right you know we don't want to be the person that's in the seat of the accuser we want to be the person if anything that we're in the seat of the defender praise god See, pointing the finger and blaming others is only going to produce bondage within our own lives. There's probably nobody here this morning that you haven't seen some of the talk shows at some point in time. Anybody ever seen Jerry Springer, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. You know, if you've ever seen one episode, you've seen them all, right? Watch one episode and you've seen every episode of Jerry Springer. Because you're always going to have somebody who said, they, this person has done me bad. They're real bad. And I want to bring him out here. And we want to talk to him. And at some point in time, so that we can maintain our television's ratings, I'm going to get up out of the chair and I'm going to go over there and slug him. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? It's a Jerry Springer hour. Jerry Springer show. And so this is what happens. And you know... And, you know, it's amazing, you know, people will watch that and you see it going on. And again, it's just every show is pretty much the same thing. It's just a different person, a different situation, a different circumstance. But can I tell you, there's a lot of people today and there's even a lot of people in the church. That's the way they live their lives. They're just always, I'm where I'm at today because of what they did. I'm where I'm at right now because of what they did. My friend, that's not living as a victor whenever God has called you to be the victor, not the victim. Praise God. Amen. Look at somebody and say, no more Jerry Springer show. Praise God. I hope you're hearing what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I'm not going to live my life like the Jerry Springer show. Right? We can't walk in victory if we live our lives as victims. And that's the reason the devil doesn't want you to know that you have been made the victor. You're already the victor right now. When am I going to become the victor? You're the victor right now if you're saved. If you are in Christ, you are victorious. He gives us the victory. Amen? 
When we read the Bible in Deuteronomy 28, we find out that victimization, it was actually a part of the curse of the law. We see all different types of actual victimization that took place. Sickness and disease, poverty and lack, unfruitfulness and business, broken and unfelt, uh, unhealthy family relationships, slavery, uselessness, fear, all of these things was a part of the curse of the law that deals specifically with being victimized by something or someone. And my friend, in Galatians chapter 3, it says this, that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us that the blessing of Abraham might come upon us. Can you look at somebody today and say, you've been redeemed from the curse? What that means is this, the curse had a right to you because of sin in the world, because of all the things that had taken place, because of your sins where doors had been opened, because of your previous generation's sins where doors had been opened, the curse had a right to you. But the good news is this, in the fullness of time, Jesus came. And whenever Jesus' blood was shed, understand this, his blood bought you back from the power of the curse. Look at somebody and say, the power of the curse has no power over you. Praise God. And look at somebody and say, the power of the curse has no power over me. Why? Because Jesus has redeemed me from the curse. And now no longer does that have any power over my life. Understand this. Victimization has no power over you. Poverty and lack has no power over you. Unfruitfulness has no power over you. Slavery has no power over you. Uselessness has no power over you. Fear has no power over you. Unfruitfulness in business has no power over you. Amen? Family destruction has no power over you. Amen? The Bible says you believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ that not only would you be saved, but your entire household would be saved. Turn over to Romans 8, chapter, 30, uh, chapter 8, verse 35. Are you getting anything out of this this morning? I really, I had something else that I was going to share, but I really just felt the Lord kind of changed this on Friday, and I kind of shifted it. And I really felt that this is the word of the Lord for where we're at right now. You know what? We could live right now as victims of Hurricane Michael. The reality, there was a lot of destruction. There was a lot of bad things that happened during Hurricane Michael. But understand this. We can acknowledge that it's happened, but I'm not going to live my life as a victim of Hurricane Michael. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? And I'm not, by the way, as a church, we are not a victim of Hurricane Michael. In the, on the heels of the hurricane, God blessed us greater than we've ever had take place within the history of this church. Hallelujah. Amen? So we're not victims. Look at somebody say, you're not a victim. And by the way, we're not victims of COVID. Amen? I know a lot of things have happened in the church world since COVID, but hear this. I'm not a victim of it. I'm a victor. I'm more than a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror. You're still breathing and you're still here. Hallelujah. I'm not a victim of it. Amen. Look at somebody say, we're not victims. Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? We could also say, who could, who's going to separate us from the power of God? Who's going to separate us from the victory that we have in Christ Jesus? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? What's the answer to all of these things? No. Everybody shout no. Look at, look at somebody say, it cannot separate you. Is distress going to separate you? Is persecution going to separate you? 
Is somebody saying something bad about you going to separate you? Is somebody lying about you going to separate you? Is somebody stealing from you going to separate you? Is famine going to separate you? Is high gas prices going to separate you? Is inflation going to separate you? Can I tell you, there's nothing that can separate you from the promise of God and the covenant that you have in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. I said nothing. Well, brother, you got to understand. Paul's just talking about spiritual distress. And he's talking about all of these things. But we'll turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Just real quick. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We'll start with verse 23. You'll see he's not talking about spiritualization whatsoever of any of these things. Ver, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 11 verse 23. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundantly. In other words, I'm working harder than anybody else out there. In stripes above measure. By the way, he wasn't wearing a pinstripe suit, my friend. The stripes he's talking about was from being beaten, okay? In stripes above measure. I can't even count the number of stripes that are on my back right now. My friend, he's not spiritualizing anything at that moment. He's talking about what he's actually experienced. And by the way, probably none of us here this morning have experienced anything like the Apostle Paul. Right? In prisons more frequently. <laughs> Think about it. You know, this sounds like a country music song. I'm telling you. In deaths often. Verse 24. For the, from the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. That's 39 stripes. Five times. He's, think about that. Five times I received 39 stripes. Do the math on that real quick. Verse 25. Three times I was beaten with rods. Now, you think you've had a rough day? <laughs> Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. He's talking about out in the middle of the ocean where things bump in the night. In journeys often, you know, do 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 you know. In journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers. I've been, I've been stolen from before. In perils of my own countrymen. In perils of the Gentile. I don't, I'm a man without a country. I can't go to the Gentiles and I can't go to my own people because they're, they're all wanting to kill me. In perils in the wilderness. In perils in the sea. In perils among false brethren, verse 27. In weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Going down to the verse. Besides the other things, he said there's more things than that. What comes upon me daily and my deep concern for all the church. He's saying, on top of that, it's just the ministry that I'm having to carry out, just the concern that I have for all the churches. Would everybody agree that what Paul is stating right here, has, there, there, there's, there's no spiritualization of anything. These are actually things that the man went through. The apostle Paul went through every bit of this. But then what does he say in Romans 8 verse 37? If you turn back over there, let's see what he says after he talks about the distress. He talks about all the things that, that actually have taken place within his life. He talks about being beaten with rods. He talks about 39 stripes five times. He talks about all of these things happening to him. But notice what he says here in Romans chapter 8. Yet in all these things. What things is he talking about? He's talking about the perils in the sea. He's talking about the perils in the wilderness. He's talking about everything that he went through 
through. He says, yet in all these things. It doesn't matter what somebody did to me. It doesn't matter what somebody said about me. It doesn't matter that they chased me. In all these things, uh, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Hallelujah. Can you give the Lord a shout for that right now? Come on, give him another shout. Hallelujah. Paul wasn't going around singing, tested and tried. <laughs> We're off made to wonder <laughs> why it must be <laughs> thus all the day long. Now, that actually is a song, by the way. I think it's in a hymn book. Is that, that's, yeah, that's one of, our, one of the, the old famous ones. You know, we'd sing songs like that. And hear this. That is identifying with how you feel. Because I'm sure at the, there were probably moments and times. I'm sure that there were where Paul felt tested and tried. That's how he felt. But understand this. Paul said, I'm not going to identify with what I'm feeling right now because there's something greater on the inside of me and that is the fact that I am more than a conqueror through in all these things I am more than a conqueror's church we need to begin to echo what Paul said it doesn't matter what's going on what's taking place if we'll begin to rise up and say we are victors in Christ we'll see things turn around in our lives we'll see things change in our family we'll see things even change in our nations if we'll rise up in the power of the Holy Ghost Amen? And begin to identify with who we are rather than how we feel at the given moment. I'm not discounting anything that's taking place in your life. I'm not discounting. I'm not saying that we live as ostriches with our head in the sand, just ignoring everything. I understand. I, I get it. We all have to deal with certain situations. What I'm saying is that we choose to live with a different disposition, and we're not living our life as a victim. We live our lives as victors in Christ Jesus. Paul and Silas, I'm coming to a close pretty quickly here. Paul and Silas, they went out and they were preaching the gospel and Paul has a dream. Paul's a dreamer. He's got a prophetic dream. Yes, Lord, who come on Shandai? And in this prophetic dream, he's supposed to go over to Philippi and he's supposed to preach there. There's a man that's standing there in his dream saying, come, preach to us. And so based upon the dream, they set sail, they begin to, they, they go to Philippi and what they do is they preach the gospel. There they, they minister deliverance. They had an LRM session. <laughs> and they ministered deliverance to a young girl. Because it was going around saying, these are the servants of the Most High God. Here, you need to hear them. This is what they, the, the young girl was doing. I think, was that Lydia? I think that might have been her name. But anyway, these are the servants of the Most High God. Hear ye them. These are the servants of the Most High God. And the Bible says she did it for many days. And finally, the Bible says that Paul was annoyed in his spirit. He got annoyed with it. You know, by the way, there's nothing wrong with being annoyed by some things. <laughs> but anyway, turned around, cast the devil out of her. Said, we're going, to, we're going to get you delivered and set free. By the way, a church that does not cast out devils is a church that's full of them. A church that doesn't cast out devils is a church that's full of either you're casting out devils or you're full of them. And we choose to not be full of the devil, hallelujah. We choose to cast them out in Jesus' name. That's a whole other message. 
And so cast the devil out, and then she came to her senses, and then the people that were making money off her, they got real mad. They stirred up an insurrection against Paul and Silas and decided we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna show them, had them beaten. And then after they had him beaten, it's probably one of those, you know, five times where he was beaten with 39 stripes. So think about this. Silas, he's the tag-along, okay? Just kind of like Andy Griffin, Griffith, <laughs> Andy Griffith and Barney, okay? So Silas is kind of like Barney, okay? He's the one bullet guy that's got it in his pocket. And so he, he's going wherever ball goes. I, I don't really have much op, you know, choice in this thing. I, I mean, I have an anointing and a grace upon my life, and I'm here to support the man of God. I'm here as number two. And so I didn't choose to go here. Don't you think for just a moment, by the way, they ended up throwing them in the bottom of the prison, and they locked them up, locked their feet in their hands in stocks. And so they're down there in the bottom of the prison, don't you think that actually thoughts begin to go through the mind of Silas? Paul, what did you have to eat before you had the dream? Because I'm not so sure that this is God. If I, you know, a lot of times we're judging hmm, whether something's the Lord or not by the outcome on the other side. That's a whole other message, too. You can't necessarily judge whether or not something's the Lord or not just because of the outcome. But you can judge it by the eventual outcome of what it's going to take you to. But anyway, and so I'm sure that Silas thought, why in the world? I can't believe I got hooked up with this Paul guy. And now here I am. I've gotten beaten. I didn't want to go here. He said he had a dream. I didn't have a dream. I didn't see anything. I'm going solely just upon, upon what he said. You know, I, I didn't hear anything from heaven. But I went because Paul had the dream. So here I am. I'm locked up. My black back is beating. I'm hurting all over. And I'm sure that Paul had an opportunity where he could have blamed God. God, I can't believe that you gave me this dream. And now here I am. You know, a lot of times what happens when things don't turn out right. We, we want to feel like we're some way victimized by the Lord. Listen, my friend, God will never victimize you at all. Are y'all hearing me? And so... They had every opportunity, and I'm sure that there were probably some thoughts that may have went through their mind at that moment in time. But I will tell you this much, that we know that they did not yield to any thought of feeling that they had at the moment. Instead, what the Bible says is that at midnight, Paul and Silas, they prayed and they sang praises. Look at somebody and say, they sang praises. Come on, tell them, they sang praises. They didn't whine, they didn't complain, they didn't murmur, they didn't look each other and bicker with one another. You know, Silas didn't express to him, I can't believe that I'm here, are you sure you had the dream? Paul didn't express, you know, God has betrayed us and he's left us. I don't know what happened here. No, praise God. At midnight, they prayed and they sang praises unto God. And my friend, what the Bible says is they did that, that God caused an earthquake to begin to shake the place and everybody's bands were loosed and the prison doors swung open and they all walked out free. Hallelujah. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? Can you see what God will do if you will stop living as a victim and start living your life as a victor? Because even in the midst of bad situations, you'll still be able to lift your hands and say, to God be the glory, he has done great things. In the midst of the bad situation, you can still lift your hands and say, thanks be to God who always causes me to triumph in Christ Jesus. Regardless of what's happening and regardless of what's taking place, I never live my life as a victim. I live my life as a victor in Christ Jesus. I identify with who I am in Christ, not about the situation, not about the circumstance, and not about how I feel at a given moment. Listen, my friend, your feelings are a lot to you. Did you know that? Your feelings would tell you all kind of crazy things. Your feelings, when you may get up one morning, your feelings may tell you that your spouse doesn't love you. Is it not, has anybody ever had that happen to you? Can you be honest enough? You woke up one morning and just felt like, I don't know if they love me anymore. Nobody will admit to it. See, the first, remember the first principle we talked about taking responsibility? You know, it's happened to me. She just, I don't know, I don't feel like she loves me anymore. I don't feel, see, we can't walk by our feelings. We have to walk by faith, Right? And I'm sure she's done the same thing. Wake up some morning, doesn't feel like I love her for, you know, maybe I didn't look at her right, didn't say something right. You know, and it all happens to all of us. We live in a world and sometimes we're not at the, the tip-top condition of, of what we might should be at a given moment in time with our spouse. But things might be said and you might not say it in the right way. But understand this, you can't walk by your feelings. You've got to walk by faith. Amen. There's a, one more man, I'm closing with this, that could have easily lived as a victim, and that is Joseph. You know the story of Joseph? Okay, Joseph is the most favored son. His father makes him a coat of many colors. I don't know if you've ever seen one of those things, you know, somebody, an artist's depiction of the coat of many colors. Can't hardly, probably wouldn't be fitting for a man to wear these days because it might communicate something different. Isn't that sad? They had a coat of many colors, and it did, what, it did, what it denoted was favor. It denoted, <clears throat> I'll tell you this much, whenever God starts pouring out favor, don't think that the devil, we talk about favor, and we believe God for favor, but sometimes people get upset because of the favor that's on your life. And they'll do all kind of crazy things. You know? And so, makes him his beautiful coat of many colors. He's sporting it around. <laughs> hey, bro. Yeah, that's my coat. <laughs> I rent it to you for 10 bucks. I mean, he's got a really nice coat, sporting it around. And brothers get upset. Joseph has a dream. They, he shares it with them. He said, I, I had a dream, and in this dream... Your sheaves are bowing down to my sheaves. That's right. Yep, my sheaves dressed in that coat of many colors and your sheaves dressed in that drab clothing you've been wearing all the time. And y'all bowing down. The brothers got upset. The brothers got mad. The brothers got angry. Joseph's the favored one. Joseph is the one that's been blessed. Joseph is the one that our father loves so much. Doesn't give us anything. Gives him everything. What does he mean telling me that my sheaves are going to bow down to his sheaves? Are y'all hearing me? So you know what happens. It ends up 
causing him to get thrown into a pit. Everybody say pit. And he sold him to slavery as a result of that. And he goes to Potiphar's house. Everybody say Potiphar's house. And then what happens? He is propositioned. Everybody say propositioned. I mean, this is not looking good. First of all, it's, in it's not in alignment with his dream. But not only is it not in alignment with his dream, but it's something that is actually beginning to try him. It is something that is happening in his life where actually people are victimizing him in these moments. If there's one person that I have to point to in the Bible other than Jesus who was really victimized in a major way, I would say Joseph more so than anybody else. Thrown into the pit. Then he sold into slavery, goes to Potiphar's house. Then he's propositioned by the lady of the house. You know, she decided she wanted her some Joseph. And Joseph said, Noseph, hallelujah. <laughs> I don't know where that came from, but anyway. Joseph said, Noseph. Ain't going there. I know better than this. My mama and my daddy taught me better than this. I, you know, I have a sense of God, what's right and what's wrong, and I'm not going there. No, Seth, I'm not going there. Pit, Potiphar's house, proposition, and he does, get this, he does the right thing. And then for doing the right thing, by the way, hear this, it happens sometimes when you do the right thing, people will lie about you. He's victimized again. He gets lied about for doing the right thing. She says, hey, Joseph came on to me and I had to fight him off. It wasn't like that at all. So what then happens is he goes to prison. Everybody say prison. When he's in prison, he interprets a dream uh, for the butler and the baker. And then he, later on, he gets passed over. Everybody say passed over. So this is not looking good. He's victimized every turn that he makes. After he interprets the dream, as a matter of fact, after he interprets the first dream, he tells him, don't forget about him. He stays there in prison for another two years. Two more years he's in prison. And I'm sure he's thinking, what did I do? I'm the favored son. It would have been very easy for Joseph to begin to take a position, I'm a victim. It's bad. It's horrible. Everything's awful. Why do I need David? I'm not even going to go after what God has for me anymore. But he didn't, praise God. The fact of the matter is, later on, there was a, a dream that the Pharaoh had. The butler remembered him and actually called him up. He interpreted the dream, and then he was praised. Everybody say praised. Then he was put in second in command over the entire kingdom, and he was made the prime minister. Everybody say prime minister. And ultimately, you know the rest of the story, how that there's a famine in the land, and his brothers and his family, they have to come to Egypt in order to buy food, and you know the setup that happens. And finally, whenever Joseph reveals himself to his brothers, this is what he says in Genesis 50, verse 20. And everybody here this morning, you need to grab hold of this. But as for you... You meant evil against me, 
but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Can I tell you what Joseph was saying is this, I'm not a victim, I'm a victor. You may have meant it for evil, you may have meant to do something bad to me, but you got to understand that my God is greater than what you did, my God is greater than what you said, and the dream of God will still be fulfilled within my life. And by the way, you're going to be the ones that benefit from this now. You're going to be saved all because, praise God, I didn't fall to pray to being a victim, and I decided that I'd live my life as a victor. Hallelujah. See, you got to identify with who you are, not with how you feel. The attitude of the victim will cause you to sink. The attitude of the victor will cause you to soar. Would you stand to your feet today? Thanks again for downloading this podcast. We trust that this message has blessed, encouraged, and edified you. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss a message here from High Praise. Also, you can follow us on social media, on Facebook, and on Instagram. And don't forget to go subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll be back soon with another incredible message. God bless you and have a great week.